Hello, 90th percentile listeners. Thank you for joining me today for this bonus episode. A little while ago, Jack Zenger and Joe Folkman had a different podcast where they interviewed some great leaders. So I went through and listened and selected the best parts of the most interesting interviews to share with you. Today's selection is an interview Joe did with a fantastic author who is known for her expertise in strategy and marketing, Dory Clark. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Zinger Folkman podcast series. This is Joe Folkman, and I'm, I'm very excited today to be joined by Dory Clark. Uh, Dory is the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out. It was named number one uh, leadership book uh, of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. She's a former presidential campaign spokesman. She teaches at Duke University School of Business. She's a consultant and a speaker for clients such as Google, Morgan Stanley, and the World Bank. Dory, thank you for joining us today. Joe, thank you. It's so great to be speaking with you. Well, I I actually started out with a rather eclectic career, which is what ultimately led to my first book, Reinventing You. Um, I was a newspaper reporter and ended up getting laid off, unfortunately, pretty early in my career. And so I had some adventures along the way. And eventually I settled into the business that I now have, where I, I do marketing strategy consulting. And that uh, those re- those reinventions um, led me to to understand the importance that, that these days we live in a world where everyone is really reinventing themselves. But it also led me to to understand the next phase of it, which is that once I had found the place that I wanted to be, when I, once I had found the place I wanted to make my mark with my own business and doing the consulting work, I realized there were. There were so many other people out there who described themselves the exact same way. Oh, you're a marketing consultant. You're a marketing consultant. And differentiating yourself in a crowded, noisy marketplace, whatever your business, is very difficult these days. And so I wrote Stand Out because I wanted to understand for myself and also to help other people who are talented and have good ideas really be able to learn how to break out and get noticed. Because for me, the saddest thing in the world is someone who really has something to contribute, but they're not able to get other people to really listen or understand. I want more of the best ideas to get out there and be heard in the world. And so in writing Stand Out, I interviewed about 50 world experts in different fields and tried to reverse engineer the process by which they came to prominence so that I could create a playbook, essentially, for regular professionals so that their best ideas and talents could get noticed. So, Dory, uh, we really believe in uh, what you're saying. I mean, our research basically about 15 years ago, we discovered that it's not the absence of weaknesses that make you great. It's the presence of strengths. Uh, But one of the things we discovered was as long as you were good at something, it, it, it wasn't so critical that, you know, there was a specific set. Have you found uh, that or have you found some, some sort of definite characteristics or competencies or capabilities that really make a difference for everyone? Well, I, I actually agree. I think that it's more like a smorgasbord. Um, when I was researching Standout, I discovered that um, there were a few different ways that people could 
uh, could begin to get noticed. And they certainly didn't have to do all of them. Not everybody reached uh, the path of greatness by doing the exact same thing. It's much more of a question of picking a strategy that feels comfortable to you and then going deep and diving in on that. So, for instance, um, some of the people <laughs> that I profiled were able to to really come to the forefront of their fields by pursuing a niche strategy. Um, they were experts in a tiny slice of something. Um, and, you know, that, that doesn't work for everybody. But if it feels comfortable and right to you, if you are very passionate about a subset of your field, that can actually be a fantastic way to demonstrate your unparalleled expertise to the media, to your colleagues, to the rest of the world. And then once you have that toehold, once you're recognized for your expertise in that niche, you're then able to expand out strategically. Um, so that's one possibility, but it's not the only one. Um, I'll just give you one other really briefly, Joe, and then we can certainly go into more depth on, on other areas if you'd like. Um, but another strategy that uh, the top thought leaders often pursued, although not always, is by mixing disciplines. And the reason that, that this was so powerful, I mean, on, in some ways it might sound like the exact opposite of a niche strategy, um, but uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, one of the people that I profiled in Standout was a gentleman named Eric Schott, who has become one of the top scientists in the world today. And the way that he got there, fascinatingly, was that he didn't start out in biology, which is the field that he's operating in now. He actually started as a mathematician and a computer scientist. And it was later when he turned to biology that he was able to bring to bear these really extensive quantitative skills that he discovered uh, along the way and that most other biologists didn't possess. And so it was by creating an amalgam of something new, by bringing two things together in a unique way, that he was able to rise to the top. And that is a strategy that many people can, uh, can choose to pursue as well um, if, for instance, they're coming from different backgrounds. So it's really finding, finding the strategy that feels right for you and then making your move there. Our, our research parallels each other really, really well. Uh, one of the, the things we found, uh, for instance, we just did a study where we looked at bold leadership. Uh, that, that's pretty popular in the political front right now, isn't it? And um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sometimes well, too bold. <laughs> yeah, a little, little too bold. Well, we, we looked at leaders who were bold, but then we looked at good judgment, right? And so if you were really bold, but you didn't have good judgment, there was about a 2% chance <laughs> that you'd be a great leader. If, if you had good judgment, but you weren't bold, there was about a 3% chance. But if you did both, uh, if, you were, if you had bold behavior and good judgment, it was like in the 90s uh, that you were going to be a great leader. And so, and that's that, what we call that a powerful combination. But I think we're talking about the same thing there. And, and it's interesting because our research tends to, to, to really lead up to the same conclusion there. Uh, that's fantastic. Dory, as you, as you, you probably get this opportunity like uh, a lot. You get a, a young leader, he, they come up to you, he or she. What advice do you give that young leader about, and they're early on in their career, what steps should they take early on? Well, I, I think that a mistake that a lot of people still make these days 
is following advice that, that probably was, was really good advice 20 or 30 years ago, which is don't, don't worry about self-promotion, just do a good job, just, you know, that'll, that'll get noticed, that'll take care of itself. And, you know, I think that, that what often happens in our culture is that uh, people vacillate between extremes. You have a lot of people that, that don't want to, uh, you know, to, to lift their head up and, uh, and promote themselves at all. And then you have the, the sort of archetypal selfie, uh, the selfie takers that all they seem to want to do is talk about themselves. But I, I think, uh, and, and so consequently, sometimes people look at that, they find it distasteful, and they go to the opposite extreme and say, well, I'm not going to do that at all. But I think that it really is important for every leader, including and perhaps especially young leaders, to, to be aware that especially in this really crowded, noisy landscape, you know, this is a world where every professional is getting on average more than 100 emails per day. We're back-to-back in meetings. We've got social media just streaming at you. Everything is competing for people's attention. And as a result, if they're not paying that much attention to you. Even if they're your boss, they're probably not paying that much attention to you. And so if you don't take the steps necessary to think about what your professional reputation is like and what you want it to be, um, these, these things are not going to happen by accident. You, unfortunately, will probably be overlooked if you don't put in time and thought into that question of how you want to be seen as a leader by others. And so I think being willing to really engage with this question of how are you seen now and how would you like to be seen, and if there's a gap between those things, how, how do you close it? If, if you are willing to really thoughtfully grapple with that, that will put you far ahead of colleagues and contemporaries that are either just slaving away at their desks and hoping good things will happen, or conversely, the people that are, you know, as they say, all hat and no cattle. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you're, you're very right. Um... I, what's what's the role of just in, involving yourself or volunteering or you know finding opportunities to work with another person? I mean, does that help? I, I think it definitely does, and I, I think it, something that I'll tack onto it as well. Um, in my research, what I what I really discovered, and I, I wrote about this quite a bit in my first book, Reinventing You, was that sometimes when, especially. Um, as people begin their careers or if they're shifting into a new role, they, they sometimes think that more is better. They get caught up in quantity and say, oh, well, I should, I should volunteer for everything. I should join every committee. I should do a little of this and a little of that, and then I can meet people and network and, you know, all this. And that might sound like a good idea on the surface, but the truth is it is far more effective to go deep in a few things rather than spreading yourself thin. If you had a choice between getting involved in two uh, committees or volunteer groups or professional associations and really taking a leading role, maybe becoming an officer or becoming a chair of a committee or something like that, if you had a choice between that and being a member of 10 different things, I would always advise people to go deep in fewer because there is a, a kind of power. There's a real perceived authority that comes with being chosen by your peers for a leadership role. It gives them uh, a, a view, you know, I mean, even, even if it's, it's just, uh, you know, something you're, you're doing for fun on the side, you know, it could be the, the running club at your office, 
but it, it lets people see you in a different way as a leader, and that shapes how they think of you. Oh, that is great. I, that is great advice, Dory. I can see that you actually use, use the advice yourself that you give others. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique characteristic uh, among authors. And, and Well, any closing thoughts or comments as, as people listen to this podcast? Uh, anything that you'd like to say to kind of close this conversation off? Well, Joe, I think that, that one of the things that I will leave people with, um, which stands out for me in terms of my research, is the importance of being proactive with the decisions about how, how we spend our time and with whom we spend our time. Um, when I was researching the book Standout, I discovered that there's there's really a three-step process when it comes to spreading your ideas and getting them known. And sometimes people like to, you know, kind of jump ahead or skip steps or whatever, but you, you do need to do all three. And the first one is what I call building a network. The second is building an audience. And the third is building a community. And I think a place that we can all start that really is important is this building a network. And that is assembling a small group of trusted people around you, you know, really being deliberate about who are the people you respect most personally and professionally, and how can you arrange your time and your schedule so that you are spending more time with them. I think a lot of us are just very reactive. You know, we sp spend time meeting with the people who ask for meetings or whatever, but we need, you know, if, if, if time is the resource by which we demonstrate our values, we need to be choosy about that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that building that network is really important and essential um, because they, they're the people who can support you, help you, help you refine your ideas. And then that's what enables you to be successful later on once your ideas begin to grow and gain traction and you move into speaking with a wider world and building that audience and building that community. I hope you enjoyed the highlights from that interview with Dory Clark. If you want access to the full interview, we actually have a link to the ebook we created based on this interview, highlighting some of her words of wisdom. You can find that link to download the ebook in our episode details or on our 90th percentile podcast page on zangerfolkman.com. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode, and be sure to tune in on Tuesday for a new episode that shares a unique study that Joe did looking at the leaders who participated in our 360 assessments during the pandemic and what skills that were identified as the most important in a crisis. It is going to be one that you won't want to miss, so have a great week.